Thank you, Mike and Abby. Um, I'm excited for that opportunity that we have as a Bridge family, and I'm looking forward to meeting Dennis Beal. And uh, I think it's really an important ministry uh, for us to, to be involved in. It's so good to see all of you. Even though you're really far away, I cannot see the whites of your eyes. Uh, I don't know if you're paying attention or not, so you're, you're okay. Um, this is going to be an experiment for me. I'm just uh, two and a half weeks out from back surgery, so I have not uh, experienced standing this long, so I have my chair in case I need it. Um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 11 today, and uh, if you brought your Bible or if you have a smartphone, I'd encourage you, if you uh, would like to use that, to find your passage. When I became a follower of Christ in my mid-20s, I was encouraged as a young believer to read biographies of godly Christians. And um, I was encouraged that they would be inspirational, they would be motivational. And so I dabbled a little bit in that. And then when I got to seminary, um, our church history professors, all of them that I had, and I think I had three, all of them gave 10% credit for extra reading outside of the required reading if you read in church history, and they really encouraged uh, Christian biographies. One of those biographies was an autobiography by George Mueller. Now, I've, I've talked about him in the past, and some of you know uh, quite a bit about him. He was born in 1805, and he died in 1898 at the age of 92. He was an evangelist and a preacher, but he's best known for being a founder of the Ashley Down Orphanage in Bristol, England. It all started because of his concern for the orphans in his city. He brought 30 young uh, female children into uh, his home to live with he and his wife. You know, so imagine that. You probably have a big house, but guess what? I'm gonna, we're going to have 30 more kids, and uh, we're going to take care of them. He went on to build five homes that could house over 2,000 children at one time. He cared for over 10,000 orphans in his lifetime, and he established 117 schools providing Christian education for 120,000-plus children. Perhaps the biggest legacy of George Mueller was that he was a man of faith. He was a man who trusted God. He believed in the promises of God. He was a man of prayer, and he knew God intimately. He wrote these words in his journal, and I've always found this um, convicting, challenging, motivating. In November 1844, he writes, I began to pray for the conversion of five individuals. I prayed every day without a single intermission, whether sick or in health, on the land or on the sea, and whatever the pressure of my engagements might be. He continues, 18 months elapsed before the first of the five was converted. I thank God and I prayed on for the others. Five years elapsed and then the second was converted. I thank God for the second and I prayed on for the other three. 
Day by day, I continued to pray for them, and six years passed before the third was converted. I thanked God for the three and went on praying for the other two. These two remained unconverted. 36 years later, he writes this, but I hope in God I pray on and I look for the answer. They are not converted yet. George Mueller died six years later. And it wasn't until sometime after his death that each of these men came to faith in Christ and God answered his prayers. When he died, the city of Bristol was at a standstill. The shops closed, the factories closed. On the day of his funeral, they lined the streets to honor the impact that this man had made. George Mueller believed what the Lord said about prayer, to not give up. My question for us, do we believe what Jesus taught about prayer? About praying and not giving up? Today we're going to look at uh, what Jesus taught, at least a few things of what Jesus taught his disciples. And I picked a short passage. And uh, it's going to be Luke chapter 11. I'm going to look at verses 5 through 10. I want to read those right now. Then Jesus said to them, that is his disciples, suppose you have a friend and you go on and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on the journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much bread as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. When it comes to prayer, Jesus taught us to be bold. Jesus taught us to be bold. And as we look at what are some of the things that he taught, I want to look at the context. I think if you have a program, you've got, uh, you've got this printed out as well. So in Luke chapter 1 through 4, this is the context. It's pretty well known, sometimes called the Lord's Prayer, sometimes called the Our Father. But let's look at it. One day when Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. So Jesus' approach to prayer was to model it first. It was his way of life. It was the way he connected with the Father. He stayed in tune. He had an intimate relationship and communication with the Father. The disciples saw this. 
they wanted to be more like Jesus. And they wanted to learn to pray the way Jesus prayed. And so they asked, Lord, teach us to pray. And sometimes, instead of calling this the Lord's Prayer, sometimes it's called the Disciples' Prayer because this is what they needed. This is what he taught them to do. Verse 2, he said to them, uh, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us our day, give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. He says, uh, when you pray, he's not saying, well, if you pray and if you have time to pray, he just, it's just the normal thing. It's when you pray. Now, we know this in Luke's version right here. And we also know it from Matthew chapter 6. And it's the one that we usually memorized. It has a little more information. It's just a little bit longer. And by the way, Jesus repeated stories and teachings on many occasions, and sometimes he changed them for the purpose of the occasion. Uh, so this is, think of this as a model for prayer before you think about a prayer to be memorized. Now, I learned it growing up, and we said it almost every Sunday at church. And so I learned it early in, I think, confirmation class, and I could say it. I, you know, I could be sound asleep or I could be daydreaming in church, and then there was a certain thing that the pastor said, and everybody knew it's time to stand up and recite the Lord's Prayer. Now, the danger of that is it can become a vain or an empty repetition where we say it without meaning. We, we don't even have to think about it. We just say the words, and Jesus said, don't do that. In, this, in Luke chapter 11, Jesus has two prayer requests for God and three prayer requests for us. For God, he said, he prays that God's name, hallowed be your name, or that God's name be holy. And that's about God's reputation. And it's about God's reputation in our lives, in us. As we express and live our lives before a watching world. Does the way we live enhance? Does it consistent with, with who God is? And uh, the second request is that God's kingdom would come to this earth. God's kingdom is about his presence and his influence. And Jesus announced it, and his presence began this new form of the kingdom of God. And now the, the kingdom is being advanced one person at a time through the church as we live out our mission to help people connect with God and to develop them into fully devoted followers of Christ. Um, that God's kingdom would come to this earth. It was Jesus' mission, and it is our mission as well. And then there were three requests for us. Give us each day our daily bread. Uh, that is to trust God every day for what we have. And this is really hard for American Christians sometimes because, gosh, we have money in the bank. We know we got a paycheck coming, at least most of us do. 
and we have a place to live, and, it, you know, we work, and we deserve it, right? We're entitled to it because of what we do and who we are. And we forget what, what Moses reminded God's people in Deuteronomy 8, but to remember the Lord. He's the one who, makes, who enables you to be wealthy and to produce wealth. He's the one who gives us the health. He's the one who gives us the ability. And he's the one who placed us at this uh, place and time in history to live in the United States. Why us? And to live in this day and age. And we have so many comforts. And it's just so, what I did it. I, I provided, I, I can pay for it. And we forget that God is the one who he enables us. Um, he says, forgive us our sins as we forgive. We are forgiven people, but we still sin and we still need forgiveness and we still need to uh, allow God to, to, to work in our lives and, and point out areas that we need to uh, change. And most importantly, or just as importantly is we need to, if we're forgiven, we need to show that to other people. And, and they need to experience forgiveness when we are offended by, by them. It's just about living out our faith. And thirdly, lead us not into temptation. Because we lead ourselves into temptation. And it's asking God to give direction to our lives and to protect us from evil and the evil one. Now, here's the main idea, and this is why I wanted to just come to this context here. It's God's kingdom first. This is a model prayer. This is what Jesus taught. God's kingdom first, and our kingdom comes next. What's important to us, the things that we value. Now, God cares about all those things, but there's a priority. God's kingdom, and then my kingdom. I don't really have a kingdom, but I do have a good life. Um, so the question is, what do you pray for? And it's just so easy, and I, and I find the same thing. It's just so easy to pray for my current ones. You know, what am I lacking today? What would make my life a little better or a little more comfortable? Uh, sometimes there are things that we pray for that aren't really even needs. It's just something we want. Instead of making God's kingdom a priority, we make us a priority. And we put our stuff up here and God's stuff down here. Um, you know, we've, there's a lot of things that are important that we need to pray for. But they are not above God's priority system. And we just needed to be reminded and to humbly approach our God and to trust him. And this, this is the model that keeps us grounded. Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's the model that Jesus taught. So how could we model our prayers differently if we need to? How could you model your prayers differently if you're considering God's kingdom about his reputation about his kingdom coming to earth, about his reputation being holy. 
Um, Matthew includes the concept of obedience. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Those are God's priorities. How would your prayers be different if that was just a kind of a normal way you approach God? And then, and then bring all those things that are important to you. Now, Jesus tells a story here to, to help us understand more about prayer. And he wants to illustrate about being bold in prayer. And here's the story, verse 5. Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Now, I confess, this is a hard story for us to understand in 21st century America. Because it, it just seems so foreign to us. That's not how we do things. You know, somebody comes to us tonight, we say, wait until morning or find something in the refrigerator. Or you might go to Quick Trip if you really needed to, or you would run to Woodman's. And they couldn't do that. Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey and he didn't have time to text me. And he's come to me and I have no food to offer him. And one of the things that we don't understand about this culture is hospitality is extremely important. You know, they didn't have really hotels or places to stay. Uh, if, if they did have a hotel, it was, it was, it was usually, uh, if they had an inn, it was, it was usually a place uh, where um, things that were done that not always honored God. And uh, so, it, you know, the, what you did was you welcomed people into your home. You wanted your friends to stay with you, and you wanted to serve them. And so this is important. Uh, he hasn't communicated with his friend. He didn't know when his friend was going to arrive. It might have been a total surprise. But Jesus is telling a story to make a point. Most people lived in one-room homes. We can't imagine that. And their entire family often slept together on one mat. How would you like to sleep on the floor with three or four kids every night? And some of those families actually kept animals inside their small homes at night. Friend, lend me three loaves. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And, and suppose that one inside says, don't bother me. See, the guy inside doesn't even have to get up because he's just on the other side of the door. Don't bother me. The door is already locked, my, and my children are in bed, and I can't get up. Because you know what? If I get up, it's going to stir the whole household. Everybody here is going to wake up. And so um, the friend, that wouldn't be a very positive response. But there is this great deal of social pressure it's pressure on the person who uh, has his friend traveling in, pressure for him. It's also pressure for the entire community to be hospitable. They just, that was a, just a responsibility. If somebody came to my house, you would welcome them too. And you would supply whatever is needed. That's the kind of hospitality that they had. A great deal of social pressure. Verse 8, I tell you, Jesus says, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, you thought you were friends, 
Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Jesus is teaching something about prayer. Because of your shameless audacity, he will give up, get up and get what you would need. Shameless audacity, boldness, courage, being dauntless, unafraid. That's what Jesus is pointing out. This is the kind of person that Jesus wants his disciples to be in prayer, to be bold, to have shameless audacity before God. And so the lesson here is we are to have shameless audacity, audacity in asking God's. It's God's kingdom first, and then my kingdom, and then let's be bold. That's what Jesus is teaching. He taught us to be bold in prayer. He also taught us, and this is the second one, verses 9 and 10. Jesus taught us to be persistent. He mentions three ingredients of prayer, three descriptors. It's one that many of us know really well. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Isn't that nice? That's all I have to do is ask, and he gives Seek, and you will find. That's easy. Knock, and the door will be open. Super easy. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Nothing to it. But I think a lot of times Christians get so disappointed with God is because they ask for something, and they didn't get it. I ask, I didn't get it. I, I sought God, and, and he didn't give it to me. Um, the danger, and I think this is sort of Christianity light, the danger is just to expect God, expect him, that we are like we are entitled, that whatever we want, we get. And if we don't, aren't happy, then there's something wrong with God. Now, I know I'm oversimplifying it, but I know it's also true for some people. But God answers. God promises to answer. He answers yes. He sometimes answers no. And he sometimes answers wait. Ask George Mueller, who waited 53 years and he still didn't get his answer. And then after his death, God answered. When you read about the life of George Mueller, you understand, you, you see how he embraced the kingdom of God first, and his world second. It's just, you see it over and over again. So Jesus says it's about asking and seeking and knocking. It's about asking, verbalizing your request to God. Ask. And the idea is it's a continual. Don't give up. Ask. Keep, just keep on asking. It's not ask once or ask twice and then Oh, I, I'm, I forgot I moved on to something else. If it's important, you just keep on asking. God wants you to ask. We forget that. 
God wants us to ask him. And then seek, seek God. He is our source of life. He is our source of provision. He's, he's the source of our health. Um, he's the source of healing. He's a, our source of strength. We take that so for granted. Um, I love the quote. Uh, now listen to this carefully. The turning point in our lives is when we stop seeking the God we want and start seeking the God who is. I'm going to read that again. I'll think about this. The turning point in our lives is when we stop seeking the God we want. That's the danger of sort of picturing God the way with a few with a little bit of information and the kind of ways we would like God to be without an accurate perspective of what the scriptures actually say and how the, the scriptures describe how God actually works. We stop seeking the God we want. And we seek the God of the Bible. We seek the God who has revealed himself. The last part there is to knock. Keep on God's door like that neighbor at midnight asking for three loaves of bread. Knock and keep on knocking because God welcomes you. He's probably also wanting you to know more about patience and perseverance and trust. Knock and keep on knocking. God will open the door. Allow, this is one of the things that I, it just makes so much sense to me. Allow the God of the universe to be the God of the universe. He is not our personal genie. He, he does take care of his children. He does answer our prayer. He does a whole lot of things. But he wants us to mature and grow and, and to see how the kingdom fits in and it's, it's a priority, advancing his kingdom. So we have one priority in prayer. It's God's kingdom first, my kingdom second. We are to ask and to seek and knock, and God will answer. We are to be bold and persistent. My experience with God is that God works through the small details of life. That's how he's worked in my life anyway. I, that's going to be my story. It's just the little everyday details. Now, if you're trusting God for something, you just watch the everyday details. How does the story unfold? Now, for me, it's real easy to look back over my life as a follower of Christ and see, oh, he, he led us here. And we didn't see it at the time, but we took these steps and they were small. And, and, and that's how we got from Iowa to Texas to go to seminary and then back into ministry, and then to Wisconsin. Um, in 2007, Sue and I were seeking God for our next adventure in ministry, or next job in ministry. And uh, at that time, all of our kids lived on the West Coast. And 
both of our parents uh, had already gone to be with the Lord and sort of some of the roots we had before were disintegrating and we thought, well, maybe God wants us, maybe we should open and consider moving uh, toward the West to be a little closer to kids. And we actually interviewed in Arizona and California and uh, in uh, St. Louis. And we prayed each step of the way. And God said, nope, I, that's not what I'm looking for. It's not what I want. And we continued to pray. In September of that year, Sue and I uh, were taking Thursdays each week as a day of prayer and fasting. And we just wanted to lay that out to God. What does he want us to do? What are, what are our next steps? And we, we were just asking him to show us. One of those Thursdays, I got, a, I got a phone call from our director of church planting. His name was Ray. And um, I'd known Ray for years, many years. And we'd, I'd had a lot of exposure to church planter, but I never wanted to be a church planter. And he called with me that day with an opportunity. And he said, I want you to consider planting a church in Eau Claire. Now, that did not interest me in the least bit. I did not want to plant a church. But I did find that the community of Eau Claire was pretty attractive if you were planting a church. If, if that's what you were doing, Eau Claire would be a very attractive community to come to for that possibility. Now, because Ray was my friend and because we had set aside uh, Thursdays for prayer and f fasting, I told Ray, that we would pray about it. You know, I didn't want to say no. I just said, okay, we'll pray about it, just sort of to get him off the phone. And so Sue and I, after I got off the phone, I explained it to her, and, and we prayed about it. And I can't say we got any super clarity at the time, but I, I, I did sense at that time that God wanted us to be open about it because, you know, I hadn't been open just uh, an hour previously. And um, we just uh, approached this step by step. There were meetings and there, there was training if we wanted it. And we decided to go to it, but that wasn't a yes. And we came to Eau Claire and, and we uh, toured the city. And we, we met with district leaders at Culver's in Halley. And um, we still hadn't said yes. And... November 2nd, 2007, we were riding in a car to go see Sue's brother, and I told Sue, I think it's going to be a yes for me. And so she was all in, and uh, it's been one step. You know, it's coming to Eau Claire where there are, there are no people who have already signed up. Uh, there, are, there are no finances. Uh, it'll be missionary support entirely. You'll have to raise all your support for yourselves and for the church plant. You'll have to recruit all your people. You'll have to find a place to meet, which, you know, started in our home. And it was just one step at a time, trusting God, trusting God to provide. And, you know, here we are today. We've had nine venues and uh, we're still trusting God. It's about God's kingdom first and our kingdom second. We have a mission. That's part of advancing God's kingdom. And that includes helping people connect with God. 
in this community and developing them into fully devoted followers of Christ. One of the things that would help us advance this kingdom, in my view, would be a building, isn't it? But I think the wrong motive would be for us to pray for a building so that we could be more comfortable or so that our lives could be more convenient, you know, so we wouldn't have to set up every week. And, you know, I understand all of that. But I think we can pray for a building and pray boldly and pray persistently because it can be a tool for God to use for his sake. And so I just want to invite you to, to join us as leaders to pray, to focus on God's kingdom first so that we can advance his kingdom. And um, even the building fits into that. But let's keep it uh, with the right motives that we really want to honor God with that. Let's stand up and let's pray. Father, I just thank you uh, for Jesus' instruction about prayer. God, may we grow in our boldness to pray. May we develop shameless audacity in coming to you. Lord, help us to be persistent, just to keep coming back, to ask and keep on asking, to seek and keep on seeking, and knock, because you're going to open the door. I thank you, God, so much for your generosity in providing for us, and we're going to be celebrating that with gratitude in just a couple of weeks. But Lord, I pray uh, for us as the Bridge Church family, God, that you will provide a building that will be fitting for what you have in mind, for what you want to do, and that you will enable us to find that and to do what it takes to be able to worship there. Please guide our steps. Please show us the way. May we remain faithful, may we trust you, and may we give you the credit for all that we do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.